Sure. Go ahead. Yeah, well, you we have to. Uh, welcome to tonight's Late Night Happy Hour. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, and Greg Bergman. No sign yet of Lindsey Fulton, um, who is, uh, I think, joining us. I don't know. Uh, but we'll find out. Anyway, Greg, you are an adequate person to have in the meantime <laughs> while we wait for Lindsay. Um, you uh, are a guest. Like to be known as. Adequate. Yeah, I mean, hey, you I are a third person to, to include in the broadcast. <laughs> I'm much more excited to have you, and and I just want to make, you, I just want to throw out there the idea of you being Lindsay's boss. If she doesn't show up, I'd like to think this is at least going to be. If not a written uh, a written write up that ends up in in her folder, her, you know, permanent, her permanent record, record her permanent that it's at least going to be a verbal warning. Oh if no, she doesn't show up tonight. It's definitely a demerit. Like you know, I, I don't actually know what a demerit is, but she gets a de- one demerit. <laughs> You're going to look it up and give it to her, <laughs> right? Yeah, you she's going to be on double demerit. secret probation. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it just it just feels very uh, unproducerial for her to to have committed to this thing and then not be here. I mean, she wants people to go on to her show, and they are committed. So I figure if she commits to something, she should be here with you guys. I, I think that's just fair. I think so. I mean, first I mean, of all, I mean, as a producer, this is a tremendous opportunity for anyone, really. I mean, I just think you know when you when you look at it, like this is a big fucking deal to be on this show. It really is. I mean, honestly, this is my fourth time on here now, which is I'm, I'm in the four time club, which is pretty cool. And this is the first time that it was like not the day of. So this was a full week of saying, hey, will you come on? I yeah. said, yes, that's great. You've actually, you're in very good we all, company. We almost felt like we were imposing, <laughs> asking you for this fourth time. And it's never imposing. Ever. Well, I mean, you are actually in pretty good exclusive uh, company because I believe the only people who've been on four times, or at least close, you, Ben Lyons, and Mo DeKeel. Oh wow! So, I mean, those those are those are good people to be associated See, with. Already, those people are. like Suzanne twenty five twenty five asking, "Where's Lindsay?" No, Lindsay. People want to know. I, I, Lindsay, I don't get to tell you where she is. I'm we're sorry. looking. We are looking for Lindsay. I'm going to DM her very quickly to see if. Yeah, I texted her. I'll I'll try the old uh, the old DM and see if uh, she's available. But otherwise, she's one of those people who only answers via Twitter. Um, and <laughs> before, also- we get, before we get too deep into the World Series here, you had an interesting exchange with a friend of ours where you declared yourself a broth person, yes. uh, a person who loves broth, uh, presumably. And you said that you don't care, you don't, you make no apologies, and you don't care, like who knows, and you're not apologizing to anyone for that. Is being a broth person a like a controversial opinion now, or is there an anti-broth crowd that you feel like you that's putting no, pressure I, on you to apologize? No, I, it was in reference to his original tweet where his wife told him not to call himself a broth guy, and our friend Eric said, "I'm a broth guy." So I was okay. joining in on him, and, and really the apology was from his wife's end because his wife didn't. For whatever reason, enjoy him referring to himself as a Greg, broth. Are guy. you a broth guy? I mean, I mean not a broth guy. I mean, I I like soup, so I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, there's broth in there, so yeah, I, I sure I'll be a broth guy. Something wrong. I don't see what's weird about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, the 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 apology on my end, was, or the lack of apologies, was more facetious, but also was in specific reference to uh, his tweet, uh, Eric Spiegelman. Me drinks chicken soup made for us by at Trelev. Babe, this is good broth. Holy smokes, this broth is great. <laughs> Tell Tracy I'm a broth guy, Tracy, who is Trelev. 
I know broth, and this is excellent. Rena, don't call yourself a broth guy. Me, I'm a broth guy. So I respond to him and said, I'm also a broth guy, and make no apologies for this declaration, and then tweeted the gif of um, Tobias Funke um, at that one meeting where he says, there are dozens, dozens of us. <laughs> dozens! <laughs> so, yeah, but I, I really was making no apology. I was specifically referencing his tweet where he was asked to apologize. I mean, let's be honest, though, here. For just to follow up with Tracy, I guess, you don't put anything in the broth. It's just straight broth that you're eating. Well, no, he's a word. You know, it's just like they, they call that consomme. Yeah, yeah the sure. The French. Well, I mean, he, he, but, I, I mean, like, you need stuff inside of it. Well, it's yeah, not, but I mean, it, it's a chicken soup. And I, and I'm assuming it, I, it's just, well, broth. no, 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 it wasn't solely broth. I, I'm, okay. well, okay. I'm making assumptions at this point. I am assuming that there was actual chicken, noodles, vegetables, whatnot in this soup. But Eric was specifically just pointing out how great the broth is because ultimately the broth is what makes the soup. Like the broth is really what separates the quality of soup, in my opinion. That's where most of the flavor comes from. Although exactly. we have spent a lot of time on broth at this point and said yes. the word broth more so many times now <laughs> that it doesn't really have meaning anymore. Greg, well, Bergman, Greg Bergman's producer hat just came along and goes, guys, move along. <laughs> guys, guys, move along. Totally different Enough medium. Broth. So it's, okay. it's, it's, it's something like it's not, there's nothing sexual about it. Like, so he's not uncomfortable with that. Like, no, it's not like borderline racist or sexist. It's guys, it's enough broth talk. <laughs> Let's move on. on. You're starting the show Moving with broth on. again. <laughs> Get to the phones. Is this a regular Get to, the phones. Get to line five. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you guys remember the air check we had back in November? <laughs> Get to Joe well, yeah, on line five. Was, I thought that was a very entertaining uh, air check, by the you way. You did nine very... minutes on broth. <laughs> <laughs> I told oh, well, you the what first else is time happening? not to start with broth. You're starting with broth again. <laughs> Guys, there's a bigger story. Um, so the Dodgers. Uh, Dodgers win. Yeah. Uh, they, 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 uh, they, Walker Bueller. Walker Bueller was amazeballs in this game. Like there's just like he, from, from moment one walks out onto the mound. 6-2 final score. Um, no hitter through, what was it, four and something? Four and something, yeah. Yeah. And just, I mean, like. As they say, dealing, Greg. Like he was unhittable uh, for the first, you know, three, four innings completely until they like managed to get a hit. Yeah, with the bat on the ball. No, because it, I it felt like every time a batter was up there that they were 0-2. Like as soon as they stood up there, like all right, I'm 0-2. I'm starting off at that point. Walker Bueller is fantastic to the point where there is not one pitcher on this team, period, or maybe even in all of baseball that I trust as much as Walker Bueller to come and pitch in the game in a postseason game. It's he's that good. He doesn't, he never gets too crazy. gets too like um, shaky. He just goes out and he just deals. It doesn't matter if he gets into a little bit of trouble and he gets into a bases loaded jam, like he did against Atlanta. He gets out of it. It's this dude is the real deal, a full blown ACE and is going to at one point be the best pitcher in Dodger history. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That okay. We're gonna save that because I, I I looked up some stuff tonight that might actually help Greg with his point. Might actually support what Greg's he saying. Will be. But um, ESPN Stats and Info tweeted out tonight. Tonight is Walker Bueller's eleventh postseason start, 
and he struck out at least six in all of them. He extends his record streak of games with six Ks tonight. Walker Bueller is the seventh pitcher in MLB history to accumulate at least 80 strikeouts through his first 11 postseason appearances. So to Greg's point, he, by and large, I mean, other than his first season where he had a little bit of shakiness that you would expect from a guy in his first time around, his, I think his rookie season, Yep, he's been really really good in the playoffs like well, he, I, he's adapted quickly to this go back, to, go back to the atlanta thing though greg because yeah. that to me was like a, that was a moment where like you go it's, it's you know it's obviously a game the, the the lakers the dodgers need to win you know you're early trouble you know bases loaded whatever and you see the numbers on the gun go from like 94 94 95 it's like okay i'm in trouble now here's 100. 98 99 100 like go ahead and hit that like that to me was like, oh shit, like Walker Bueller's got some stuff here that he can do to you when he needs to. Yeah. If you look, just go besides that, but go back into and go look at his stats. Go on to baseball reference and look at his stats. He's had one bad game in the postseason. It was against Atlanta in his very first game. He gave up a, a grand slam to Ronald Acuna Jr. And since then, he's been lights out. But going back to your thing about how uh how we got it, that was a moment. That is the type of guy that you need when you have bases loaded. And I think it was nobody out. It was either nobody or one out. And he got was out nobody. of that. Nobody. Yeah, it, was, it was bases loaded, nobody out. And he got out of it unscathed at that point. I think he only gave up the one run before all that. But it doesn't matter. Whatever had happened in that situation, he got out of it and they won that series because he got out of that situation. And so when you're in those types of moments, those pressure packed moments, if you can come out clean, that just shows you what type of pitcher and what type of guy you are. And he's shown it game in, game out in the postseason. There's nobody I trust more. Yeah, his postseason era for these playoffs down to 180, uh, 1.80, 25 innings, giving up just five earned runs, yep. 39 strikeouts. Teams are now hitting a buck 96 against him. And what's really, I think, impressive, and you know, fingers crossed, this will be the last we see of it in this World Series. But he's getting better with each round. Like he, his worst showing in these playoffs was against Milwaukee. And since then, he's been just dominating more and more. Like he's actually getting better as yeah. it's going along. And uh, the kid uh, in, in NYC points <laughs> out, and I think this is actually, I think this is a thing that part of the reason he has been so good is aerodynamics because there's no wasted fabric. I have never seen, even in the 80s, you go back to like the old footage of that. I've never seen a baseball player wear tighter pants than <laughs> than Walker Bueller. The question here is Walker Bueller's pants spray uh, spray painted on. They're getting like, they're getting tighter and tighter as the games go it on. It seems right? like I didn't remember them being that tight like during the season or in the like opening round against Milwaukee. So against Milwaukee, there was a member of Michael Duarte asked him the question, like then they lost they lost that game. <laughs> and it wasn't they lost they lost so no, it was, awesome. it was, yeah it was against atlanta and they lost yeah. the game with walker bueller and he goes hey so what's going on with your tight pants and he goes michael now's not the time well he, he said to him <laughs> walker bueller's pants are trending on twitter <laughs> right. and not the time or place which by the way walker bueller was correct not the time or place. I, like, <laughs> no. that's just... He was not happy at that point. Well, I mean, this was especially no on a whatsoever. Zoom. Like that's something maybe you can get away with if you're asking the person face to face. You know, like right there, and like they can see your eyes. Like you've got a little rapport or something like that. Not on Zoom. I mean, what, what <laughs> do you do? 
I mean, like what you do in that type of situation, if you're if you're a reporter and you want to do you want to do some some type of story or blurb or whatever about Walker Bueller's pants and the tightness of them and the way it's trending on Twitter. If you can't, you know, typically you would maybe do that in person mm. during a presser, although I would highly not recommend that. What you do is you wait for Walker Bueller as he's leaving, hopefully cooled down a bit. And you say, look, I mean, I just want to ask you quickly about something that's kind of silly, whatever, or what you probably should do that's even better Go to somebody with Dodgers media relations and say, look, this was happening on Twitter, and I'm hoping to ask Walker about it because it's kind of funny. I know tonight is not the night. Would it be possible for you to get me on the phone? Right. Can you get me on the phone with him like tomorrow? No, you don't. You don't ask to put Walker Bueller on the phone. (laughs) I meant meant in this age of Zoom. That's a a bad move. You just wait until he wins a game and then you ask him about his pants. Walker Bueller after a win, probably much more amenable to answering questions about his pants. He'd laugh about it. Like, come on, you guys have had to have asked stupid questions. What is the worst question that you guys have asked somebody? Like, did you ever ask Kobe some stupid question that he's like, Brian, what are you doing, man? Andy? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, there was, I mean, there, there's, there's. Who wants to go first? <laughs> well, I mean, there's there's a time. Like, the worst questions you ask are the ones where, like, he just doesn't ask. Like, I had one where Kobe's like, I don't, what, what is your question? Like, what the hell is your question? Where we kept that as a drop. Um, but it then was, it was literally Kobe's reaction. What the hell? Right, what the hell's question? question? I rephrased it, and then he answered it because it was a little convoluted <laughs> the first time. But you know, we, yeah, it was I mean, one of those situations. We asked, Kobe, we asked Kobe questions for a decade. Of course, we asked him dumb questions. Kobe actually look up anybody. One time, Kobe actually, and this was not even a stupid question in the way I was specific in my wording, but it was very funny. It was right after. Uh, it's actually I've written about this before. It's one of like my favorite interactions with Kobe ever. It was right after Lamar Odom got named sixth man um, heading into the season uh, 2009, I believe it was. And Lamar was outwardly unhappy. Like he was pissed about this. He said about that Phil Jackson, man? he that he would be he coming want, off the bench. It was going into a contract year. He actually said Phil Jackson had lost his rabbit mind. Like that was, <laughs> was, was his exact quote. Yeah. Rabbit Phil, or rabid? Rabbit. rabbit. Oh, rabbit. rabbit, like the little furry animal, yes. the rabbit. Oh, yes. Rabbit. And what does that even mean? Rabbit. Don't know. Didn't know it then. Mean, don't entirely it know means now. means that Lamar was pissed at Phil is what it meant. And you know, he, he said that Phil must have fallen out of bed and hit his head that morning. Like he was mad about this. And Kobe afterwards was asked about Lamar's reaction to this and Lamar coming off the bench. And Kobe said that he thought this action could be a great role for Lamar and something that he thought he'd really enjoy. You get to run your own unit. You get to actually have more of your fingerprints on the game, you know, in those moments than he might as a starter. He's like, you know, Lamar's still going to close games because he's still one of our most important players. He's like, this is something that I actually think that if Lamar kind of wraps his mind around, he'll actually really enjoy it. And Kobe was correct because Lamar being Lamar eventually agreed to it because Lamar was just a consummate teammate. He ended up winning sixth man of the year a couple years later. But I asked Kobe, and I was really specific in the way I asked this. I said, could you ever imagine yourself at the end of your career playing a role like that? And he looks at me and goes, that's the dumbest question you've ever asked me. (laughs) (laughs) And what was was great about it, though, is 
I don't think Kobe was in any way being insincere about LO. I think he was being completely right. genuine. It's a good role for him. him. <laughs> right. Not me. No, not, in hell, no, I'm doing not that. Kobe. No, but no, no, no. Off the bench. Is fantastic. Go fuck yourself. I'm not doing that. <laughs> he could be no. 45 and still playing. Right. And even like, no, nah, I'm starting. Starting or not playing. <laughs> right. I, I don't actually think it was a stupid question, but his response was hilarious. Look, I get the reason for asking the question, and I think it could be a good question. He obviously was right in saying that was the stupidest question he's, you've ever asked him. It was. It was great. I mean, his... And then after the scrum ended, he and I talked a little bit. He's just like, come on, man. What am I supposed to say here? Yeah, I, w- I want to come off the bench at the end of my career. He's like, you've been around me. Yeah, I mean, Vince Carter, like people, if you want to keep playing. Robert Ory preferred it. Like in his prime, he was like, no, I'd much rather come off the bench. Yeah, like, Robert Ory, yes. Kobe Bryant. True. <laughs> right. True. It was just, it was very funny, though. I mean, yeah, just yeah. he did not miss a beat with that reaction. It was great. Actually, right, let, Kobe, me, let, me, let me let me if you're looking for reasons to be very encouraged by where the Dodgers are and why the Dodgers are probably a better team here, I think overall. Um, who has the second highest average who in tonight's starting lineup for the Rays? For the Rays, the second highest second average? highest average, and I believe they're it's, it's I think the series is what they're counting. I mean, they're nobody, they reset. Uh, they reset after each one. God, it's yeah, gotta so, be it's gotta be Manny Margot. It maybe has the highest. Margot's leading leading the team with okay, a four hundred. So Margot has the highest. So then it must be after that. Uh, would it be, is it G Man Choi? Choi, nope. He's batting one forty three so far. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know he had a couple hits early, or not not tonight. Kevin, that Kiermaier? dude, by the way, G Man Choi is like you know for a, a husky fella. I think like he is absolutely the kind of person that. That when in the husky section of the of the clothing shop, like that's who that kid was. Like, there's no question. There's um, no way either of you, I know I can't, can do the splits like he did in the, in no, the beginning. And of that's that my God, no. He's made insane. more plays like that, and you know, jumping up, Aaron throws, tagging guys out. That dude is agile. Yeah, no, no, for no, a they, big fella. I, I had a I had a high school teacher that was like a you know like in the in the auto shop and he was this really big hulking dude but he would like three four hundred pounds big guy and he would race kids all the time and he would beat them because he was just fast like he's like that type of guy like the big fat dude that is just faster and more athletic than everybody else it's unbelievable so um I, I love that guy um but he is only batting 143 he's not the correct answer no, to the question. Awesome? it's kevin kiermeyer has a home run and that's about it kiermeyer um, is i'll give you a hit kiermeyer is tied Tied with okay. one, two, two other people. Okay. Um, let's see. Austin Meadows got a. Oh, no. You know who it is? It's probably uh, Yancey Diaz. Uh, I didn't see him tonight in line, but it's, it's he Meadows. Wasn't, oh, he wasn't in the. He wasn't yeah, it's in line Meadows, tonight. Austin Meadows, and Kiermeyer, and I just moved the page. And uh, uh, Adamus. So they're all batting Adamus, 222. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah, this, 222. This, yeah. Is, this is the difference in, in like, you know, the, the Dodgers have a couple guys who haven't hit the ball well yet in the series. You know, Bellinger hasn't done it and Will Smith, but they got some dudes who are hitting, and nobody in that Tampa lineup is hitting. All right. Let's, um, let's go back to just real, real quick on Will Smith. He's not hitting. He's not getting. He, balls aren't falling. 
he is hitting the ball hard. He is hitting the ball well. It's just a lot of times it's right at a guy. Like it's fine. It went at the third baseman, and he's also getting big hits. He's getting the RBI hits, and he did have a home run too. I have no issue with what's going on with Wilson. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not yeah. upset with any of these people. I'm just right. saying that they have – they don't have anybody in that lineup right now that you look at and you go, you got to pitch around or, you, you know, like no. what happens when we get to here, you know, the, the Dodgers, even the, you know, the top of that order right now is, is lights out. And so I am just looking at, at this going, you know, and it's not like they're the, the Tampa lineup is filled with just mashers anyway. Like this is not considered the strength of the team. So I, I, I think if you, if you are a, a, a Dodger person, you look at that and going, this feels good to me with Urias going uh, in, in game four and then Kershaw back in game five. Yeah, I mean, well, look, if you look at yesterday, I know a lot of people got upset, like, oh, how are you playing a bullpen game in the World Series? What are you doing? But it all just kind of made sense. Like You had Kershaw pitch lights out in game one and beautifully pitched in that game. And then you... It was you were going up against their toughest pitcher, Blake Snell was their toughest pitcher, and he pitched really, really well for the first four innings until he gave up the home run to uh, Chris Taylor. But besides, and you're so you go with this bullpen game, you're up one nothing, and you know that coming up behind you is the best pitcher on your team in Walker Bueller, who showed why you were you had him in that three spot right there. And then the guy that's coming up tomorrow night, Julio Urias has been just as good, if not better, than Walker Bueller right now. He's got like a .56 ERA in, in his entire time in this postseason, and he's doing it in all over the place. So knowing that you have Bueller, you go Bueller, Urias, Kershaw, where they haven't even touched Kershaw yet, you're looking pretty good in this situation. And they also, too, I mean, we talked about this with Pedro Mora from The Athletic last night. They didn't really have a choice. Other no. than to go with the hodgepodge, I mean, you you could maybe quibble with the order that Dave Roberts chose, or you know the the idea of who he decided to start, who he decided to put out there after each guy, or whatever. But ultimately, they they didn't really. If you're not, if you don't have a fourth starter that you trust, and clearly Dave Roberts doesn't at this point, like this was really the move they had to make. Pedro pointed this out; it was actually a funny point that I hadn't thought about. Like the Rays get all this credit for you know being the team that came up with the idea or started really running with the idea of having a reliever as your starter for like an the inning opener, and two the thirds. Opener, the, yeah, yeah. the opener, yes. Uh the opener using the the uh the lingo. And this series, they're much less likely to end up doing something like that. And the Dodgers that are celebrated for having all this depth are the team that you know had to do it in game two. And should this thing get stretched out, they're almost certainly likely to do it in game six. It's just kind of funny how that turned out. And you're probably going to go to uh, to the bullpen game in game six if you have to, but I would assume Alex Wood probably gets that start. But tomorrow this, night Greg, before the race. Greg, huh? same yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, it is the same. It is, that the same is thing, as they I'm say. I'm just saying, I'm just it's saying. A, it's not a gonna classic go with distinction without a difference. Yeah, it's you're not going to go with May or Gonsolin there because you really can't trust them. They're almost at the point of being unplayable. But tomorrow, the Rays are going with your, with your opener in Ryan Yarbrough. He's the starter for it. They've already announced it. He is the starter tomorrow. And the most that you're going to get out of that guy is three innings. So, and if they do get three innings, then they're going to be looking pretty he good. He throws like 47 miles an hour. He should be able to go for a while. <laughs> yeah, but the problem is that he is a reliever that's not stretched out to go longer than three innings. Do you feel, my my thinking is, you know, you, you come out of this, I, I, I'm sure they were hoping to get a little more out of Glasnow than they did in, in game one. But like, you look at it and you go, okay, it's like Kershaw, 
our guy, you know, game two is the one if you're Tampa that you absolutely have to win. And yep. they did. Yep. Um, and then you look at it and, okay, we, we have to get one of three against Bueller, Urlius, and Kershaw. That gets us to the not the, their second bullpen game in game six, which we can win, which gets us to a game seven where anything can happen. Like I feel like, you know, in, in in their minds, like that's sort of how Tampa has constructed this series to stretch it out, where like you kind of look at the legitimate games that you have, like the ones that you can win. You can win one of three against their three good pitchers, and then steal the bullpen games and do what you can in Game Seven. Like I think that's the blueprint. For yeah, I, I disagree. I think they they had to have looked at tonight as a serious winnable opportunity because Charlie Morton has been in these playoffs as good as Walker Bueller. I mean, he has, but he's, he's not been, as. But he is. He, he is not as good as Walker. But Bueller. he's been. He's been as good in these playoffs, and sometimes it just matters what the now is. I mean, Clayton. Look at Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw is the best pitcher of not just his generation, but many generations. And in the playoffs, he has not been as trustworthy. In these playoffs, Charlie Morton has been nails. And if nothing else, I think Tampa expected that they could hang in a game longer than they did with Morton. For all intents and purposes, this game was done by the third inning. Yeah, it was over. It was pretty over pretty early. But Charlie Morton is a guy that has been really, really good, but but he's been really good because of the way that Kevin Cash uses him. There's a reason that Charlie Morton went out of Game 7 of the ALCS after 66 pitches because of the way that he pitches. He doesn't have a ton of – I mean, he has a a great curveball and he has a great off-speed and he goes from different angles and all that good stuff. But first time through the lineup, he's lights out. He's very difficult to get get a hit off of him. Second time through the lineup – he goes all every his batting average for the other team jumps up to about 285. Then in the third time through the lineup, it jumps up to 390. Like it's jumps up gigantically the third time through. And there's a reason that, that he didn't Moore. go that far. Right. He's Charlie Morton. He's a 36 year old pitcher that really, you know, he's a cheater. Like, like let's just be honest. Here. Well, he, he, was, that's, he was on the cheating Astros. We so were going to ask. I'm happy that he got rid of that. Five I, we were going God to ask. It. Was this? You know much, do, you, do you guys know how much money Charlie Morton paid in his taxes last year? $750. <laughs> but, but, I'm and I don't have, the, I don't have this on good authority. <laughs> I don't have it on good authority, but many people are saying it. He's got a secret Chinese bank account. That's right. Charlie Morton. Many people are saying it. But <laughs> is he Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> Was this Charles Morton has done more for, more for baseball in Tampa Bay than any president since Lincoln. I think it's absolutely 100%. Okay. Not debatable. <laughs> was it was this quasi revenge? Was this re- revenge adjacent in your mind? I mean, I don't think that they were even really thinking about it. I think the fans, it's quasi revenge for the fans, but it's not so much for them. I think they're all past all that stuff, and it wasn't the Astros. He was in Game Seven. Yeah, he pitched four great innings in Game Seven. I'm sure maybe there's like a afterwards. They're like, hey, we got a little piece of them. There's a little bit of that, but besides that, I don't think they cared one way or the other. Do you think Charlie Morton like slipped an extra like fifteen grand to Kershaw's charity at some point? Like <laughs> anonymously sorry, donated to help build a school in well, Africa he, or whatever. He says he didn't know. So yeah, you know. How he do you in, not he was know? Because he was in the bullpen the whole time, obviously. Oh, oh for God's <laughs> sake. I mean, no. We we've all knew. worked he in knew. an office. We've all worked in an office. You cannot keep workplace secrets. Come on, man. Like he knew. No. There's no so, way he didn't know. There was that little extra bit that for us fans that were like, yeah, all right, five nothing on you. 
That's exactly. You would only given up one run the entire postseason, and we put five up on you. Take that, you little bitch. Sorry. There you go. There you go. I'm allowed, I'm allowed to talk like that on this. <laughs> That's right. You're like, this This thing isn't being broadcast, right? Right, right. This is, no, <laughs> Nobody no, can see no, it. No, this is no. Did I even mention we're, we're back on ESPN? <laughs> Surprise! That's our fault. And that's the end of me. I'm going to get going, guys. <laughs> no, but this means you're available for next week. So great. Right. Yeah, exactly. As as things uh, continue developing. Do you how how far does this go? I mean, do you get to do you get to Kershaw in game five with a chance to win the series? Do you think I, the more that I look at the team, the more that I think, yes, I didn't think so. I originally I said Dodgers and six because that just kind of made the most sense. They're still a really good team. They got there for a reason. They do have they, they do hit the long ball very well. They're not much of a small ball team whatsoever, but the way that I'm seeing this series game one and game three happened for a reason. They knew how to, they, they went back to who well, they, they were are. On schedule. Yeah. Well, yes. I mean, so that that was, but no, they, they're patient at the plates. They're, they're waiting for their pitches. They're not getting beat outside of the strike zone. And I think that's a huge, huge part of their game. And if they're, so if you're going to force them to actually throw pitches over the strike zone, they're going to kill you or they're going to take these walks and they're going to get guys on base. And look what Mookie Betts does when he gets on base. He just is pushing everything up. So it's, I, I, I got to say, I think that it's going to change now to five. And now you're going to have Clayton Kershaw on the mound to win the World Series. I'm glad you went there because I, when he pitched so well in game one, my hope, like my strong hope, was for the Dodgers to sweep this thing because I wanted Kershaw to have this opportunity where he had a great World Series and frankly a great – he's pitched very well in the postseason, this postseason. You remove that one sixth inning. You know, that one sixth, he's been really good. As good and then, of playoffs as he's ever had. Right. He he has been really, really good. And he's had a really good season on top of it. It's just been a really good year for Kershaw. And I, I love the idea of potentially having this opportunity to end on a high note with the Dodgers getting the World Series and this cloud just being lifted from him. But there is potentially the opportunity to ice the thing, to actually open and close it and be the only starter for the Dodgers to go twice and pitch really well twice in finally getting that cloud over and finally delivering that World Series. Because like we've talked about before, the Dodgers just need to win a World Series for this to go away. As long as Kershaw yep. isn't somebody that they have to like you know, account for, or they have to offset. It, at the very least, it mitigates it some. Right, I mean, it, it, yeah. it goes away. Like I, I feel like in in for in a lot of ways, it goes away. Maybe not for everybody, but no. for a lot of people, it will. And you know, again, he could absolutely just nail the coffin shut when it comes to this situation. But if for whatever reason it doesn't work out in Game Five, then this stuff could hang over more, and I would just like to see it end. Yeah, oh no, I would everybody wants to see it end. And I think most people in LA, I think most baseball fans will be like, all right, he got his ring. We got to back off him a little bit. There's going to be those guys that are just Twitter warriors that you know who these people are. Like, well, well oh, this well, is what the question. This is a question from, from the, the, on, the, on the board from Intermary. Like, uh, is can one great World Series erase years of faulty pitching in the postseason? I, I think erase is the wrong word, but Greg, it like, it softens it. It makes it so like you you have you have come through. Like 
It doesn't mean that other stuff didn't happen, but you have the thing. And if, and really, if you, I mean, I know I'm a, I'm a Kershaw lover. I'm going to completely admit to that because I, I love Kershaw. And, but if you go back and you actually look game by game at all of his postseason starts, it's there, he pitches really, really well. And then in like the sixth or seventh inning is when it starts falling off. Mm-hmm. He might, he has a bad one here and there. 2017 shouldn't ca- take it out, take that whole thing out, game five out because they were cheating. And it was just flat out cheating that caused all that stuff to happen. So if you take that out, then there's just innings. All comes down to a certain one inning here or there. And and also it it comes down to context too. Because there were a lot of times where Kershaw was out there where he really shouldn't have been. Like he, he had pitched enough. He should not have had to be out there more. But for understandable reasons, either Don Mattingly or Dave Roberts, because it happened with both of them. Yep trusted Kershaw gassed more than he trusted just, I, anybody I there's, there's other than maybe a, a setup guy in Jansen. And, and I get it. It was it's like also important to acknowledge. He's just not, he's not been the, you know, Craig, he's arguably the best pitcher of any generation, but you know, yep. over a 10 year, eight year, 10 year stretch. And like, he just, it's okay to acknowledge he hasn't been as good as his he hasn't been regular season. But like in what I think makes it interesting are all the things that Andy's talking about. Um, in terms of like one extra batter here, and to some degree, I think Andy, you know, wanting him to be your your hope for having him just not even have to pitch game five yes. is the equivalent of making it so Dave Roberts can't leave him in and one one batter too long. Well, I mean, the the irony sure. of Dave Dave Roberts having you know the the bullpen game for game two is what does everybody criticize Dave Roberts for more than anything? Can't handle a bullpen, so that's like a setup where the entire game is Dave Roberts' perceived weakness. Like, dealing with all of these pitchers that, all things being equal, he doesn't want to use any of them. If anything, I think Dave Roberts has actually had a really good postseason this year. He's he's taking guys out early instead of late. So even if he, maybe he's pulling some of these guys... Except like, for or, Kershaw like, against the Braves. Well, <laughs> no, Kershaw, Kershaw's been fine in this. You in this cannot let Kershaw pitch to Ozuna. Like, you just can't. He, could, no, but, he okay, needed fine. somebody yes. warming up, he, uh, if nothing sure, else. He sure, needed somebody. He yeah, up. but let's, 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 if, that's the only. We don't need to relitigate one batter. You're talking about right, we don't. We don't need to relitigate the other series. But no. Andy's right. They needed to have somebody warming up. I'm not yes. here to talk about the past. <laughs> no, but for the most part, he has been pulling everybody earlier rather than later. And even it happened. It happened tonight with Walker Bueller. Like he was at what 70, 85 pitches, 82 pitches, something like that. He wasn't, he could have gone into the seventh inning. He could have kept pitching, but they pulled him out so that you can go into, so you can go to Blake Trinan, Trinan, who they had, who the Rays haven't seen yet. And they went to Bruzdar Gratterall that the, that the Rays haven't seen yet. And then Kenley Jansen, who they hadn't seen yet. So all of those guys who hadn't pinched in the world series yet all got their chance and they pulled Walker Bueller one inning earlier than he probably could. He could have gone the seventh, but what happens? What happens if all of a sudden you go into the seventh inning and he's giving up doubles and triples and he's giving There's up a no home reason run? Not to. Right. Of course. Right. I mean, all but... of a sudden things start changing. You're not looking at Walker Bueller as the guy's like, God, I can't hit this dude. Now you're thinking like, oh, we got him. We figured him out. Which matters if there's a, you know, a presumably he'll throw game seven. Like th- that matters. Yep. Like it's, I, I, I and I'm going to get this wrong, but I, I feel like one of the, was it the Padre series or the Brave series where it was the Brave series where they go game one or game two and they finally score some runs. They didn't score. They couldn't score in game one. They get game two. It looks like you can blow away and they start scoring runs. Yeah. Yeah. That was brave. And like, 
mentally, you feel I, I honestly think that was if they lose that game, you know, seven to one or whatever it is, as opposed to eight to six with a chain of tying run at the plate or however it finished. Right. I, I'm not sure they win that series. I feel like they because they awesome. went into game three, like, okay, we didn't win, but we can win three or four. That's not the four or five. And they that's went not nuts the problem. In game three. Yeah. Right. And, and, that's the one where they scored, you know, the the all the runs in the first inning, the eleven in the first, inning, in the first inning. Yeah. inning, yeah. And so, I, the psychology of going to the plate against somebody like Bueller, thinking that you can hit him, versus knowing in the back of your mind that you're kind of screwed. I mean, anybody who's ever played baseball knows that feeling that you are just not good enough to hit this pitcher if this pitcher is pitching well. Um, versus, like, yeah, okay, I can do this. Uh, it makes a massive difference, and I, I think letting Walker Bueller leave this game with his sense of invis- invisibility—that's invincibility. <laughs> the ball was invisible to the race, so you're right. not too far off. Thank there. you. Um, yeah. <laughs> like that—that's smart. That matters. Oh, it makes a huge difference. Now, like, there's not one guy on this race team that's thinking to himself. I can really hit Walker Bueller right now. Even though somebody might have gotten a hit, Manny Margot might have gotten a double off him, and then somebody else got a double off him. Who I forgot was that that brought in. I think it was um, the, uh, the, the third baseman. Or yeah, maybe it was Adamus. Yeah, but like those were bad pitches from from Bueller. He left a couple over the plate, but for the most part, he was hitting the corners. He was hitting. Oh, he was changing up speeds. He was fantastic. He and was nobody, so I just nobody, don't trust the team. Nobody where... thinks on that team can they can hit either him or Kershaw right no. now. They don't think they can hit Kershaw. I, I know. I say disagree. I, I don't think anybody thinks they can't hit Kershaw. <laughs> I don't no, know. No, I don't mean that as a criticism. I just I, there are there are. There's been enough when he's looking like right. this. When he's looking like this. It's a different type of year. He's not He's not going through an entire 162-game season where he's been pitching throughout the entire time. He had a shortened season, and he took a couple days off. He's going on extra rest. I don't, I don't mean it to totally say that people different. don't – I don't mean it to say people don't have enormous respect for Kershaw or believe that he's capable of – I just think that there used to be a sense around him of like, mm, can't do it. If he's, if he's on, sure. I'm done. I don't think anybody looks at him that way anymore. In the same way that is, is you, you reached a point with, you know, with with you know the Lakers or you know with, when they were really good. Remember, um, Ti- there was a period where Tiger on Sunday, correct. if Tiger was either in the lead or only down, that's one the best stroke, example. Yes, you yeah. knew you were done. Like over. you, you had no confidence, and the psycho the psychological advantage that Tiger had over the entire field. On Sundays, Red Polo Tiger, as yep, John right. uh, Granados points out, like you knew it was over, and especially if he if he was up a few strokes, it was definitely over. And then there was the period after that where every now and then Tiger would be on, and if he was on and feeling it, you might get a little nervous, but you didn't enter the match or you didn't enter a Sunday afraid of him. And Kershaw has shown enough vulnerability that I agree with Brian that everybody's going to have respect for him. But you're not going to be automatically scared no. of Kershaw the way you would have been. I, I mean, several years ago, except there have always been these playoff struggles. But I, I think you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that he's. I'm not trying to say that he's Kershaw from 2012. That's not who the guy is. He's a totally different pitcher now. He's not throwing 95 miles an hour and and hitting his curveball like perfectly. But he is a pitcher now that can hit his spots. And the way that he was throwing his slider uh, in game one and the way that he was throwing his fastball to offset hit 
to offset the, those, the slider and the curveball made a huge difference. And what you're going to see also, you saw he was throwing 93, which that's, that's a high velocity for he was, he was right now. Well, I think it He's helps dealing he, right he now. Has, but he only needs to pitch five innings. Right. Like but he, he, he no longer are they in a position where they're even really going to ask him to go six or something. like if he finishes the fifth and he's sitting on 58 pitches, okay, fine, go, go pitch the six or start the six, but chances are he won't be. I think if they get five innings and he's at 70 pitches on, what is that Sunday? On Sunday. Then, then he's going to get pulled and that'll be the end of it. Like, and he knows that so he can throw a little harder. He can do a little bit more because he knows he doesn't have to go to the eighth inning. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, yeah. It, but let's, I mean, over all of this, we can go back and forth with all of it, but here's the thing. How great would it look to see Clayton Kershaw standing on the mound with both his arms raised up high in the air that he just won the world championship? Complete the, game. The world Series. You know what you do? <laughs> no, no, what you do is you put him in, like, left field. <laughs> and then just let him pitch the last to the last batter in the ninth. But think about this. We've seen so how many times has the has the camera cut to him in the dugout with his hands in his head, his head in his hands, or looking down and looking so dejected and awful over and over and over again. And now on Sunday to possibly have him being elated and happy and being Clayton Kershaw with his arms in the air, it's going to be an amazing feeling for him and for all of LA. I, I am about to say something that Andy and I constantly mock fans for uh, because they always say, guys, we can't get ahead of ourselves. And again, we're fans, we're observers, we're watching it. We can do whatever the hell we want. It doesn't matter. Right. I can, we can plan parades for the next six years. It doesn't matter. But I'm, I am a little bit worried about jinxing this whole thing by speaking in <laughs> such happy terms about what I mean, Greg, have you figured out the, the, angle, to be the winning pitcher in game five? Have you figured out the <laughs> angle that you want him photographed on the mound? Like, like are, oh, yeah. are you thinking yeah, from his like, left, from his light, slight, straight on? Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit off to the side. It's not a straight on shot. It can't be straight on. It's got to be at a little bit of an angle so you can kind of see the background and see the, the <laughs> see the board where it has yeah, the it's really, like, You really give yourself the full yeah. screen here, Greg. Yeah, like, right. to really, like, you know, turn Ooh, your body as needed. Oh, you can see my Rojo Chingon shirt for Justin it's a yeah. I mean, nice. Again, we we could have. This is what the shapes are for quad box, but Lindsay isn't here. Yeah, Lindsay. At this point, I'm going to say she's Jeez. not going to be here. I I don't think she's making it tonight. But I mean, I'm <laughs> going. I'm getting. I'm getting sometimes, ahead to, to you Sunday. Know, girls run behind <laughs> scheduling wise. I'm not. But I'm starting that. to agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, I'm I'm getting excited. I'm moving right past that. I'm getting excited for Sunday because I trust Julio Urias from everything that we've seen from Julio Urias in this postseason. I trust that he can that he can go five six innings. And you still and you saw nothing from Blake Trinan except for what do you get like ten pitches? I don't know the exact number, but it was a low pitch count. Brusdard Gratterall had a really low pitch count. Even Kenley Jansen had a pretty decently low pitch count, despite the fact that he grooved one right over the plate for uh, for a, a Rosarena. But he was still that was still funny because that was a, that was an example. I think of like you talk about Kershaw throwing harder. Kenley was throwing hard tonight, ninety-five that, three yeah. times. And I yeah, think that was. was. I think that pitch to a Rosarena was one where he threw too hard, um, and it flattened the, and it flattened out. Like he didn't he didn't get the movement. You know, kind yeah. of humping up a little bit. It, it was um, a cutter that didn't cut. Cut, right. Yeah, but yeah. I think if he throws too hard, I think that's what happens. 
Yeah, I mean, he, but he was getting those. He had three balls of a, a 95 that were cutting, that were moving. It was, it was pretty incredible. I was like, whoa, whoa, did he just throw 95? It was pretty crazy. It's funny, Greg, that you were mentioning the, the trust that you have in Urias for tomorrow. And this is something Brian and I have talked a lot about, and he's, he's heard me bring it up a lot. And I think I've talked about it with you in the past. I've always been fascinated with the, I, I guess, sort of the, the evolving arc with Julio Urias because for a few years, I've always questioned whether or not they would actually trust him to start these type of games. Because they always talked about him being that guy. But when push came to shove, not only wasn't he starting, he actually was being used in a pretty limited way in the playoffs. Like the last couple of years, he's been kind of an afterthought. And this year, you, you've really seen him be the guy that they were hoping to be. You know, he he's pitched in, in these last couple of rounds like these very high leverage games. He he and you know, game four of the World Series. This is a big deal. And it's, I've always wondered when that moment was going to come and occasionally questioned that it would ever come. And it's, it's just interesting to see it finally arrive and him being really ready when it did arrive. Yeah, I mean, he he very easily could have turned in and kind of did turn into that Kenta Maeda type of role where you were a starter all year long. But then when it got to the playoffs, well, we kind of are full up on starters. So you're going to be a long guy out of the pen or you're going to pitch an inning out of the pen. And it just didn't turn out that way. They did use him a couple times out of obviously out of the pen in game seven. He was fantastic in the last three innings, but they're trusting him. He went five and I think he gave up one run against uh, against Atlanta in his game against him that they a game that they won he's he was three and oh he's he's three and oh in the postseason right now the guy has has just proven that he can it's, be a lights out i just question whether or not they would actually but, trust him to do so it. much of this yeah, i mean is, just, is this the context of 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 like his career and i'm i'm sure i'm gonna get some details wrong this is not this has not been my beat um you know but like you go back to 2016 he's 19 years old and so like the dodgers are are, are are obviously going to be very cautious with just literally how many innings they let him throw um, and, and the situations that he's going to be put in. And then, you know, he's got, you know, the, you know, the, the, didn't he got hurt. Right. And then, you yeah. know, so they were cautious about that and then he's coming back and then he was out for a year. Right. He missed a year. And then, like, and, and then, they're, but they're cautious when he comes back from that, you don't want to start over are almost restarting the clock on him in terms of, of, kind of letting him pitch um and he's still i mean he's still you know is only 24 like it's right. it's crazy that we're like you know he's still only 24 years old he's, you know and and this and and you know now 2020 you ended up a season where he, he okay you know they let him start games but they only played like 60 of them so like <laughs> right. there's just been no rhythm to his career at all and um, I think that contributes a lot to it. It's like there's, there's never been that anywhere he threw all year long where he was in the starting rotation. He was the third starter all year long and, you know, threw 174 innings and was your guy. And you could just give him the ball in, in the playoffs. It's never come up that way. No, it really hasn't ever come that way. But now it seems like we're there. And really, if you, if you look at just the career, the trajectory of where this is going to go after this year, you're going to have now – two guys in Julio Urias and Walker Bueller for that are now going to be staples in the postseason 
going forward and you know that these two are lights out. So be, despite, yes, I understand that he hasn't really had a chance to be that, that guy, but he's proven that he can be now. And that's well, the stuff. It's so is good. Be, the stuff is, it, so, is good. so good. And now if he, if he comes out tomorrow and he pitches lights out, like he has been, and he goes like five, six innings and they win that game. I would, you've got to be careful about this team moving forward, like over the next couple of postseasons, because if you have two starters that are, that are amazing in the postseason, you're going to win a lot of series period. Yeah, no, this is, I, I, I love, I mean, we've talked about the Lakers window and it's like, Oh, the Lakers go windows here. A little, a little opener perhaps than, than people might've thought like with, you know, an aging LeBron and, and so on and so on. But like, you know, that, that, thing that the Dodgers have here, like the transition out of sort of a JT led Kershaw led group into Bueller and Dustin May and Urias Corey and you, Corey Seager. Will and you've got, you know, yes. Who's, you know, great, good, really good looking young player and Bellinger and Mookie Mookie yeah. for the next, like in, <laughs> in theory, in theory, <laughs> Gavin locks at some, Gavin locks <laughs> at some point is going to be a part yeah. of all this. Like he's we've been, barely he's talked about Mookie Betts, yep, and how awesome he is. Like Mookie Betts is one of those guys. He is the anti Mike Trout, and I don't mean that in a in a way like, but like Trout is, he's an amazing player. He's I guess still probably the best player in baseball. I mean, is, I guess I mean I don't know. I mean, people aren't. I don't. I don't really want to have the argument, but like he doesn't engage you in baseball the way that Betts does. Look at all the things that Betts is doing. He's stealing bases. He's hitting home runs. And, and he's, he's making incredible defensive he's got, plays. He's and he's like the peeking best. behind little dudes on the Mookie Betts has the best smile of an L.A. athlete since Magic. I mean, like, oh, he's he so engaging. Like and he's, he's somebody, Mookie. Like, so, I mean, he's somebody that, as a fan, you will love rooting for. Like, you'll so just think- love it. So, and to go along with that, and I think you guys will like this comparison, I've started to compare Mookie Betts to Steph Curry because he is yeah. a dude that yeah. is – you can be Mookie Betts. You can go out and pretend to be Well, like Steph okay, Curry. let's be clear. You can't. Right. Well, <laughs> like, no, there's I mean, no way in hell you can. Have you seen that, that, that video that MLB is circulating of just Mookie Betts being good at sports? There's oh, like yeah. the he's, video he's of Mookie Betts yeah. dunking. I, I want to make it like very clear to everybody watching. <laughs> there is no prayer – on earth that you can be Mookie Betts. I just want to make sure everybody understands it. There's no prayer on earth that you can be Steph Curry either. Right, but Steph is at least small. You can learn those moves, right? Yeah, he's like, well, he's small. What are you talking about? Mookie Betts is 5'9", 185. But you don't have to be big. Play baseball though. I mean, you really don't. You don't do. Well, big. look at look at the star, Mike Trout, who's the best player in baseball, is like six two two thirty five and runs like a four two forty. Like the dude is just ridiculous in every aspect. But do you really of the have game. to be but that he's a guy though? Monster. Like, but do you really uh, have to be that guy to succeed in baseball? I'm a monster. <laughs> <laughs> Don't He's look huge. at me. I'm hideous. I'm hideous. No, like he's a huge dude. Like, I'm a human he's being. More of LeBron than he is that he like Steph. Like that, my comparison more so. Is oh, I, I just picture go. Mike Trout at home now, and it's the most sad <laughs> thing God, ever. A monster. <laughs> Don't look at my eyes. <laughs> I can't face any of you. (laughs) But I mean, like, but you can be him. Like, you can go out and pretend to be Mookie. Has Ireland figured out how to say Mookie yet? 
Mucky. Does he still call him Mucky? <laughs> no, he's 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 saying Mookie now, but he was oh, good. for a very long time saying Mucky Betts. Mucky Betts. I mean, we should have just it, kept him saying that and never told him that he was saying it wrong because that's way funnier. I mean, it's not like John's a professional broadcaster or anything <laughs> no, like that. I mean, no. Duh White. So. <laughs> yes, yes. He does turn that into a two-syllable thing. <laughs> right. It is. It's a very strong Duh White. Yeah. Um, right. Which. Uh, well, so before we before we get to the game, but like Mookie Betts, you know this thing. I mean, you, know, you wonder a guy guy said, I'm sure maybe there'll come a time where you you wish, you know, the end of that contract. Maybe they're paying him a little more than the whatever. But it's the worth next every penny. Few I don't years care. of that are going to be awesome. Oh, He's underpaid right now. That yeah. that dude is straight up underpaid. But like baseball needs doing? Mookie Betts to be in LA yes. doing this stuff. I, for whatever yes, reason, does. didn't work. Yes, like like this is he is the kind of person who can help make baseball not a regional sport. Well, that's I'm not sure it'll work, to... but he that's what you need. But that's what I was trying to get at of like why he, he's more like Steph Curry because you know everybody you don't have to be a Golden State fan to try and go out and and have handles like Steph Curry or shoot ridiculously deep three pointers like him. I mean, all of baseball. Every every kid can go out and be like, all right, I'm going to be Mookie today, and I'm going to bat lead off, and I'm just going to work on my speed, and I'm, you know, and like, and and learn to hit the and learn to hit the right way, and get singles because he doesn't need to get home runs. He's probably going as of right now. He's probably the MVP of the World Series, and he has one home run. I mean, yeah. and that's not even his game is not even getting home runs. So I I think that's the type of thing that baseball itself needs is a guy like that in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, being a guy that, and this is the way that he, John Granados is saying it, like, is is all about personality. You can, you love yeah. this dude, and yeah. there's nothing about him that you're like, hey, like, ah, uh, I don't know about Mookie like, in that sense. Like, my, he's just a good dude. My wife is a big time Dodger fan, but she doesn't really follow baseball other than the Dodgers. So yeah. she, I don't think she knew who Mookie was when the Dodgers traded for him. And she asked me, like, you know, is this really this big a deal? I was like, oh yeah. This is a huge, huge deal. It took her like literally five minutes of watching Mookie to fall in love with him. Like, and I mean, and that's most people. Yeah, I mean, I mean she's on the biggest stage she loves in the him. world. Yeah, the, in the in the World Series, <laughs> actually the filed stage. for divorce from Andy. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, I, I don't blame her. On that. No, no. I mean, I got to be honest. Looking out for my kid, it'd be better. For you know, and like my kid's daughter, lifestyle. Yeah. I I got to be honest. If she can, if she can get with Mookie, if she can make that happen. <laughs> I would be irresponsible as a father to stand in the way. Yeah, but like still, if you look at the, you're you're right not to. But um, if <laughs> if you look at Mookie and like stealing bases in the World Series on the biggest stage around the country, everybody watching because there's nothing else that's really on right now. You're not. I mean, college football. Like, come on. So it's it just it makes a difference stealing four bases in the World Series in two games. It's a big, that's a big deal. Pretty good. <laughs> you know, like that's not a small feat. Poor Taco <laughs> Bell. Uh, <laughs> right. No, uh, yeah, game one. Bye. <laughs> uh, bef before we get to the game, there was one thing I wanted to point out, just because I actually uh, did some digging and some research, and also it it speaks to what Greg was talking about earlier with your contention that Walker Bueller could end up the best pitcher in Dodger history. He could, which saying a lot, and it would mean that he is. Better than Clayton Kershaw, the you know gr potential greatest pitcher in Dodger history that preceded him. I was looking up some uh, info and some stats on Bueller compared to uh, Kershaw. Bueller just turned 26 this season, 
And I was looking at Kershaw at age 26 the, that season. By then, he had won his third Cy Young, and he was named MVP that same season. He had also thrown 1,377 innings Jeez. by the time he turned 26, like that season. Walker Bueller at 26, 365 and a half innings. Yeah. Like his first season up, he only threw nine or so innings. And then this year was shortened. And he wasn't available in the beginning. And what's amazing about that is like beyond just recognizing that you may just be scratching the surface of what his career will be. And like when he truly understands every facet of the game, he has so much more arm left compared to Kershaw at the same age. And it's not like Kershaw didn't have great seasons after he turned 26, but it's just amazing to think about Bueller entering his prime years so much more comparatively fresh. Like if, according to baseball reference, if you combine big leagues, minor leagues, his time at Vanderbilt, he not counting tonight, he's thrown 742 innings in his career. Again, that's like a little more than half of what Kershaw had done just wow. in the bigs. Like it, it's crazy. It, it speaks Different to world, what, man. Yeah. But it also, it speaks to what could be in front of Bueller to, to Greg's point about how great he could be. It's just, it's just, it's a, it's a preserve. It's in, and the length because it's a, the guys just don't get, they don't pile up innings that the way they used to, and they never will again. Like, you know, these Bob Gibson seasons where he pitches, you know, 42 starts and he completes like 37 of them. You know, these just absurd numbers that people used to put up. I mean, forget the old Hoss Radburn era, but like even just as recently as the 70s and 80s and stuff, like just the amount of innings that guys would pitch. Um, it, you know, the odds, it's not even Andy, like you're saying, like what, what it could be like the longevity, the idea that he could be, a dominant pitcher deep into his thirties because of, of this is, is impressive. Uh, <laughs> is that Jesse? Isn't he in Vegas? What are you doing, no, Jesse? No, no it's, it's, oh, uh, no, Jorge. Jorge. Jorge, what's up? Yeah. I, I got more right here. Like, yeah, wow. It's a lot Boy. of hats. Yeah. I don't want to say it, Greg, but let's wear, look at that. Just, that's, now we know where all the, uh, where the, all bump, the hats, you know? where Greg's step, management bump went. And you know what? A little bit straight in the hats. Most of those hats free. <laughs> like his cable, right? No, no. Remember, we went through this. That is over. Actually, yeah, no. Gr I pay for he actually cable. uses the hats to get the satellite, like, so he's got them hooked up somehow. Yeah. He um, he used to barter for uh, illegal cable through hats. Hats. That's right. Yes. Yeah, so like, I'll give you my Los Angeles Sangra Azul hat for for the HBO for channel. HBO Max. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so before we get to the game, uh, I do want to mention the final results of yesterday's poll. So we talked a lot with Pedro Mora of The Athletic about uh, Tony Gonsolin and him being a very, very dedicated cat person, um, which is why I thought that uh, basically that led to his failure in game two, because I don't trust cat people. Nope. Um, I you think, shouldn't. You know, it's the wrong you know, idea. It is. And so we put up the poll, who do you trust more, a, quote, dog person or a cat person. Uh, Greg, you want to take a, a guess at, at uh, the final results of this poll? 95 dog to 5 cat. It's not quite that bad. 86% come down on it's the not, side I'm of not, I trust a dog person more than a cat person. Not far off. <laughs> no. Cats are getting a bad rap, man. Interesting follow-up, no, though. Yes, they do. <laughs> Yes, they do. I have a dog and a cat. I'm, a, no, I'm, I'm, I'm an cats expert. Cats are terrible animals. What I would no, say to not. you is you need to pick a lane. 
Yeah, um, right. Exactly. So the and so the the follow up question that Andy asked: Would you trust a dog or a cat more to pitch a must win game in a World Series? The actual animal itself. Oh, uh, that's different. It is. Yeah, different. I would. I think a cat is yes. better. No, absolutely. I would choose a cat. Cat don't give a fuck. You're going with that guy. Exactly. Right. Plus, and a so, cat's paws are better equipped to actually oh, yeah. rip a ball. I, okay. A dog yeah, can't paws. throw a ball. No, they, yeah, they would be, <laughs> be all over the place. They'd so be I think with their mouth. America got it right. Who do you trust more, a dog person or a cat person? <laughs> but America got it wrong on the next one uh, because they chose dog to actually pitch the game. They're, they're so not thinking thirty. That is a terrible yeah. mistake. No, they're thinking of like Airbud type stuff, like yes. out in the outfield. No. That's it's totally different. Catching a ball is different than throwing a ball. The cat is the one that you want on the mound. Absolutely. I don't think I don't think that's a genuine compliment he's leaving. I think he's teasing us. <laughs> no, Jorge never. Oh, that's our dude. Jorge's <laughs> our dude. Ah, I love that guy. All right, at, so this is a very fancy show, Jorge. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to play this game and this was uh inspired by uh Lindsay Fulton who ended up not here tonight. But um Can we Lindsay the questions? No, 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 no. If she's not going to be here. She doesn't get to play. Well, it's actually, this is this is like the third, like it's been, it's the third version of this game removed because it was originally uh, going to be for Lindsay Theory, who was yes, going to join us and true. had to reschedule. And then now Lindsay Fulton, who was going to join us and I presumably reschedule. And now there's just no Lindsay's. Right. So and, we're just going to play. We're, and look, we're, I mean, uh, Lindsay Theory, to be clear, had a very uh, legit. No, she, reason uh, right. Um, Lin, Lindsay Fulton. TBD, right? Might have been legitimate. Might have flaked. Could have been like sure. Clinton. Clinton fell asleep. Just exactly. Clinton <laughs> Yates did fall asleep. <laughs> he fell asleep, which I don't blame him because Clinton oh, Yates does Clinton. more. Clinton Yates is hustling out there more than anybody well, I know. And also, and probably Brian, tired. Brian, you I once fell asleep and missed the beginning of my own show. So, <laughs> so oh, come on, man. No, it really did happen. I did. Oh, and this man. is back when when only I could start the show. Yeah, like so now like, Andy hey, can actually start hey, the show technologically. Hey. Andy can do it. <laughs> yeah, it was, this was a that was a tough beginning. Um, but anyway, <laughs> the show the as it, people know, the name Lindsay can be spelled uh, S A Y or S E Y, and it can often be very confusing because you, there's no way of knowing how somebody spells the name. And you're always with somebody named Lindsay in the position of misspelling their name. Mm -hmm. So the game that I have is. Uh, Trivia about famous Lindsays. They can either be first name Lindsay, last name Lindsay. True. If you and I'm no. so screwed on this. No, but you'll answer the question. If you get the question right, what, both do you think you, I majored in Lindsay in college? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean you, you know more weird knowledge. No, 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 no. <laughs> Trust me. Don't don't sell yourself short. Now, if you get the answer <laughs> right, shit too. <laughs> if you right. get the answer right, you have the opportunity for a bonus point. And the bonus point is you will spell Lindsay for this person. Does this person spell it ah. L-I-N-D-S-E-Y or L-I-N-D-S-A-Y? There will be no weird spellings like L-Y-N-Z. Like, like Lindsay e. Adams Hawkins. All, right. All of these are either L-I-N-D-S-A-Y or L-I-N-D-S-E-Y. There are no so, trick questions. Wait, he Side says he note, knows nothing about Lindsay's and he says some random skateboarder. We, we, we used to cover the X game. We used to cover oh, the X oh, game. Right, right, person. Well, a good friend of mine dated for years a Lindsay and then married a Lindsay. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, well, he's nobody clearly a fetishist. Yes. No, nobody, yeah, that we know. In high school, I dated two Helens back to back. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. How does that happen? 
It's hard I mean, enough to not, find there's one. There's not Helen. very many of them, right? They were both. Russian, I mean, so. were you dating? Were you they dating? Were, two, were you dating two like forty-five-year-olds in high school? Like, <laughs> no, they, it was, was they, they, were, it was, were, were there Yelena. no Gertrudes were available for you? <laughs> That's a great name. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we begin. Former point guard Lindsey Hunter won a ring with the Lakers in 2002, then another with the Pistons in 2004, both times as a reserve guard. True. Which which team yeah, yes. did he average more points with during the respective title runs, both close and not very prolific in either case? Brian goes first. What, so Lakers or, or Pistons? Yes. Which did he average more points with during the respective title runs? I it will is say... The answer is very low for both. Yes, um, it is. I will say Lakers. He was. I thought he was better on the Pistons. Not by he was, but that doesn't necessarily mean. Yeah, that, that doesn't. Yeah, and I think mm, I'm trying to play the the player, not the game. Um, I'm gonna, I'm going to say the Pistons though. Greg is correct. Oh. Yeah, the Pistons. He averaged 2.4 points <laughs> per game with the Pistons versus 2.0 as a Laker. Bonus <laughs> point opportunity, Greg. Spell Lindsay. I'm pretty sure he's an S E Y. That is correct. Yeah. Greg up two nothing out of the shoot. Where did Broncos running back Philip Lindsay play his college ball? True. Arkansas, <laughs> Washington, Colorado, Utah. Greg goes first. Wait, same again. It was Arkansas, Washington, Colorado, or Utah. Pretty sure he was in the Pac-12. Uh, I'm gonna say, God, it was either Utah or Colorado. Um, I'm gonna say Colorado. Brian, uh, Utah. Oh, it is Colorado. Oh. Up three nothing. Bonus point. Right, spell Lindsay. Lindsay. <laughs> All right, now I'm gonna like picture his the back of his jersey. Um, I think he's an S E Y also. No, ah, he's an S A Y, but you're still up three nothing. South Carolina Senator and very, very Southern man, Lindsey Graham's middle name is LaRouche, Olin, <laughs> Delford, or Truitt. LaRouche, Olin, Delford, or Truitt. Brian goes first. They used to call him Nuke in high school. Um, <laughs> these are all, by the way, real names. What are my choices? LaRouche. Olin, Delford, or Truitt. I looked them all up and found that, I, including the real name, but I looked them all up. I went to a, a, a Southern name website. Delford is your guess? Yes, Delford, Delphin, whatever. One of those. I'm going to say it's Olin. Oh my God, Greg, you are <laughs> Let's correct. Let's go. <laughs> Greg, I'm <laughs> nothing. Bonus point, spell Lindsay. Jeez. Oh, uh, he's an S-A-Y. No, he's an no, EY. EY. He's an EY. I, I, I wanted to say EY, EY, and I said EY. I well, you're myself. still up for nothing, Greg. You're crushing this so far. <laughs> yeah. Which of these cop TV shows was Skier Lindsey Vaughn a guest actor on? Law and Order, Law and Order SVU, CSI, or Brooklyn Nine Nine? Greg goes first. I've seen all of Brooklyn Nine Nine and none of the other ones. Um, You've never seen Law and Order. No. How is that possible? How is that never, possible? Never saw CSI either. I don't watch it. What the hell is wrong with you? I've never watched how one you episode. Not, how do you, not how one, do you avoid Law and Order? 
Not one single episode have I seen of either one of those shows. Okay, we're going to be Big putting fuck out a, you to Dick Wolf right there. Okay, I'm going to be putting out a Twitter <laughs> poll later. How shocking is that that Greg has never seen an episode of Law and Order or I Law never, and Order? I never. I okay. It never was my thing. Um, she just seems to fit on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, she's too young for regular Law and Order. Um, so I will say CSI. No, she was on Law and Order. Remember that show yeah. was on like twenty five years, right? But I th- the regular Law and Order stopped a while ago. Not didn't that it? long ago? Not that long ago. She was on Law and Order. Um, neither one of you get the bonus point potential, but it's S E Y. Tennis player Lindsey Davenport <laughs> reference has won. I was going to get that wrong, by the way. Well, ten to, uh, Lindsay Davenport has won three or four majors during his, her career. Which one did she not win? The Australian, the French Open, the U.S. Open, or Wimbledon? Brian goes first. Which didn't she win? Australian? I'm going to say she never won the French. Uh, see, that's where I was going to go. Um, nobody ever wins so, the French. No, I, that's exactly what my reasoning was. Nobody ever wins the French. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna. Say, I'm pretty sure you want to win with it. I'll say the Australian. Greg is on fire. <laughs> she has never won the Australian. Greg up five nothing. No time. Bonus no point, time, Lindsay. You can right. do it. Lindsay, Bonus point. Lindsay, Lindsay Davenport is an S A Y. No, you are correct. Oh, yeah, yeah. Greg is up seven nothing. Right now, seven oh, nothing. She's been to the Australian Open six times, but never won. Oh, She's the Susan Lucci of Australian <laughs> Opens. Longtime Fleetwood Mac guitarist Lindsey Buckingham and singer Stevie Nicks were famously an item in Fleetwood Mac and then had their high-profile breakup. They also attended the same high school. True or false? Greg goes first. True. I need to make up some ground here. False. You should have made up some ground by saying true because it oh. is true. Greg got an <laughs> eight or nothing ground this way. Yeah. Spell Lindsay. Uh, S E Y. Greg. Yeah, let's go. Greg, let's up, just shut it out. Greg up now. nine to nothing in this game. Lindsay oh. Lindsay Fulton, who was supposed to be a guest tonight, on her Twitter bio describes herself as a true crime junkie. Which of these true crime movies? was nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. In Cold Blood, Foxcatcher, American Hustle, or Zodiac? Brian goes first. In Cold Blood. This is not my... Fox... Was it Foxtrot? Foxcatcher. Foxcatcher. Very different. <laughs> Foxcatcher is what I'll go with. I have no clue. I don't know. It's actually it's American Hustle. American oh. Hustle was uh, the only one of those that was nominated for Best Picture. Uh, <laughs> Lindsay, by the way, who didn't show up tonight, she's an S E Y. So Greg, Greg, you are up nine to nothing with a chance to get a bonus point. But as luck would have it, this last one is worth. 11 total points. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. We got two more. I'm sorry. So my apologies. Oh, it's not there yet. Lindsay Funke uh, on Arrested Development, Portia de Rossi's character, was known for getting involved with trendy causes without any real passion or intent yeah. to see them through. Which of these causes did she not take part in? Oh, I better get this right. Anti-circumcision, <laughs> preserving the wetlands, saving koalas, or pro-Second Amendment? 
Brian goes first. I think oh. it's the koala thing. <sighs> well, I got to say something different, right? The wetlands thing you I know is say whatever you you the can wet, say whatever. That's you the want. one I know. The wetlands for yeah. sure is right. I, I'm I'm pretty sure she did the anti circumcision too. Yeah, so that that one yeah. feels familiar. Yeah. <laughs> what were the other two? It was the other two. Saving were... the koalas or pro Second Amendment. And pro I think Second I, Amendment. I'll go with just so it's different. I, I think it's the koala thing. <laughs> Woke. Yeah. No. No. I thought it was the koala one too, but I wanted to do something different. You know, actually, I didn't get that from woke, but maybe subconsciously, subconsciously I did. I, I, did. Yeah. Maybe I did. Uh, we interviewed a few weeks ago the creator of the show Woke on Hulu, Keith Knight, um, uh, the great well, cartoonist. It's a plot point from that. Um, okay, so Brian, you're finally on the board. Bonus point. Spell Lindsay for Lindsay Funke. I'll say EY. Oh, it's an A-Y. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> All I right, mean, so. I've never seen Lindsay Funke. I've never seen it written out. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now, this, well, 50-50 shot. So Greg is up nine to one, but as <laughs> luck would have it. Uh, it's point. worth nine. <laughs> no, it's actually worth eight with the so make 12. It nine. it's worth oh, 12 right, sure. he's trying to make sure that the bonus point yes. I'm trying to do the math with the bonus <laughs> point which is a uh, final question which is lindsay lohan's highest grossing movie domestically the parent trap mean girls herbie fully loaded or freaky friday uh brian goes first I think technically Greg goes. Yeah, okay, Greg I, I'm goes. A, first. I'm in the lead, so I go first. Right. Okay. So it's Freaky Friday, Herbie Fully Loaded, Mean Girls, or The Parent Trap. Oh, it's either The Parent Trap or Mean Girls. Mean Girls was the bigger movie, but domestically, ooh, I think you might be messing. I'm going Mean Girls. You know, I'm going Mean Girls. Brian. Um, it's it's to me. Yes, I lost my mic. Okay, yes, it's to you. I said Mean Girls. I can't read that. Hey, he wrote down Herbie Fully Loaded. Unfortunately, you are both wrong. <laughs> oh. It is Freaky Friday made $110 million domestically. So Greg, with an absolutely curb-stomping victory, 9-1 to one over Brian. Just an absolute bloodbath. Like the Dodgers versus the Rays right now. Well, That's what's I was trying to, I thought maybe it was a trick question. <laughs> no. Well, Herbie, Andy. <laughs> Herbie fully loaded. It was a terrible, <laughs> yeah. terrible movie that you really should ever watch. But see, I thought maybe, what was the answer? The answer was uh, Freaky Friday. Yeah. $110 million dollars domestically. Uh, mm -hmm. as, as Jay Franco G points out, Greg knows his Lindsay's. That's right. That's right. But well, I only knew the E Y's, not the A. Well, actually, so what we really like, learned is that Greg knows his Helens. <laughs> I, I did know my. I Helens. mean, he knows his <laughs> Helen. <laughs> I mean, does it count that they were Yelena's and not and not actually Helens because it was Russian? Were they both Yelena's? Yeah. Wow. Now we're getting real specific. Yeah, <laughs> that is some good. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, Greg had a Mama Greg talent. clearly That's had right. a phase. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I did. It was two out of three. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right, dude. This right, is thanks, fun man. as always, man. You are becoming one of our absolute uh, favorite guests. Oh, thanks, man. I, that, this is a lot of fun for me. I, I appreciate it. And uh, you're, you're going to have to a, a guy with a bunch of hats. <laughs> <laughs> I like my hats. What's wrong with it? I just got my hair cut, though, so I didn't even wear a hat today. 
And I mean, if you can figure out what, what happened to Lindsay, I hope she's all right. I hope everything's okay. I hope so too. I texted her too. I think we I all suspect she's her. fine. She just fell asleep. She had the, the, the old OBO, as they say. Well, what are you going to do? She pulled a Yates. She did pull a Yates. All right. Um, so coming up Monday, uh, JP Hornstra covers the Dodgers for Southern Cal News Group. Correct. Uh, yeah, I mean it's like seventy-three different publications. Right, but uh, he's going to be along with us, uh, hopefully, talking about the Dodgers having won the World Series and the implications and what it all means. If not, he'll be talking about what's coming up on exactly. Game Six. Exactly. So either way, he's a great baseball writer. Has covered the Dodgers for years. Knows them as well as anybody. And then on Tuesday, Roger Lodge will be joining us. Very uh, cool. Talk, talk maybe Game Seven. But uh, I, don't, I don't want to make a big deal out of this. Roger told me he had raised in six. Angels guy. He is an Angels guy. But either way, um, it's good. we got some good baseball talk coming up uh, early in the week, and then we'll figure out the rest as we go. Greg, thank you as always, man. We appreciate it. This is fun. And everybody have a good weekend. We will see you all on Monday. Thank you, Nidaland. <laughs>